This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by David Moore. Hello, David. Hello, Kevin. And who are we not joined by? We're not joined by Evan Grant, who's out uh, uh, rock climbing in, in Arizona, I think. Uh, oh, you just... Canyon, actually. I think he stopped there first, right? Oh, is, is that he, where he, he is? make it up there, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, uh, good for him. Uh, and, uh, you know, I told him I'd just seen, I think, a picture he sent me this morning. I said, I just saw that on a commercial. I said, are you, are you climbing that rock face too? He says, every day. <laughs> I think he was speaking figuratively that he's climbing a, a rock face every day, you know, like a little bit like, like Sisyphus pushing that rock every day. I would like photos of Evan, the outdoorsman, rock climbing living in the elements living off the land it's a little bit you know evan's always been a very george costanza like character to me and if you remember that seinfeld episode where they go it, it's with uh it's elaine's boyfriend uh, who's uh who's just another pretty face and they go rock climbing and they're up there and and, and george is just clinging for a lot dear life on the side of this mountain and, and then they they knocked their their uh, Elaine's boyfriend off the mountain. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> that's what I think of when I think of Evan. Evan's very very uh, George like to me. <laughs> one, of the, one of the reasons I that he's uh, so endearing to me in the first place. <laughs> so Evan's on vacation, um, and so that'll be good. So he won't be butting in with stupid comments about the Cowboys. Uh, so that, that'll that'll help us. I'll just be one the one yeah, butting in. With it's just comments. the two of us. We doing that. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, so at any rate, well you know, listen. Let's see. Let's see what's happened here. That um, they won a football game. Uh, they lost their starting quarterback for the season. They lost their best defensive tackle for the season. Other than that, it was you know it was a great game, great win. Another day in the office. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, you know, I, I was struck too, and and I use this word, and and I see it repeatedly. The the word gruesome is used to describe Dak's injury. And, and I think that's just become shorthand for any any injury that is that shocking and that jarring where you see what it does to your body, where no one can really, in some ways, you emotionally, you don't want to accurately describe it because you, you transfer it to what it would be like if you were in that condition. And so gruesome is the word everyone has settled on. And that, I, I think that's a, a very accurate word. It was uh, whenever you, whenever the cameras or, or uh, camera lens captures um, those injuries and what happens to the human body can happen to the human body on a football field. Uh, it's, it's just so can be so overwhelming and and you certainly saw that 
and the emotion of the moment and how people responded. Uh, you know, again, to me, another one of the striking images was um, receiver Michael Gallup was there. And as soon as he saw what happened, he like reflexively just like slams his helmet with both hands and turns away. Um, you know, C.D. Lamb was talking about the same thing. He was right there, looked at it, and then just reflexively turned. Um, it, it's not the sort of thing uh, any athlete wants to see because they know it could be them. And, and that makes it, that, that drives that uh, fear home even more. You know, when I was in high school, I, I broke my left leg um, and uh, the, the tibia, the, the larger bone of my left leg. And I remember besides the shrieking pain, uh, which for about five minutes was the greatest pain I ever felt in my life and probably have ever felt since then, uh, was that when I tried to stand up uh, and put my leg down, it just, you know, it was mush. And of course, it was, it was not a compound fracture, which is what, uh, what Dak suffered was far greater than that. Uh, but it, is, it was unbelievable. What is so unbelievable about it is that you, have, you feel like you have done something here that is unnatural, that, that's something that will, oh my gosh, what have I done to myself? Uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that fear uh is uh, is overwhelming and and you know it's, it's besides the pain and besides everything else and i'm sure as we watched dak s sit there on the turf uh he was clearly in shock uh, i sure. i believe that he thought oh I, I can't get my foot back you know i can't get my foot in the right place and uh and he did what the normal reaction is uh, that i hear in those situations where he actually jammed his foot down the ground to try to get it to go, to go back, back in the proper spot like you would do like if your shoulder pops out or, or something right. like that but again when the body's not designed to go in a direction but again that's what your body's telling you oh well no this foot shouldn't go with a 45 degree angle here let me just you know right. knock it back into place that seems like a logical thought when you're in shock because that's just how your body knows right. itself but you know again you're clearly in shock and you're not and you need that shock. Otherwise, I think the pain would be so searing, you'll just black out. So. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, you know, and I heard that described by someone else uh, talking about that. Uh, uh, I believe it was I went back and I was checking on some things. I think it was Joe Theismann when he had that horrific injury when Lawrence Taylor tackled him and, and he broke both bones uh, in his lower leg, uh, the tibia and the fibula. Uh, I think a little higher up than than Dak's injury was. Mm -hmm. And uh and he said that his body actually uh, uh, kind of went into shock and he lost all feeling from the knee down. And so he didn't, he said, I, I just really didn't feel anything. He said, which was a real blessing because of course that's a, a horrific injury. And that, and that ended his career. You know, he was 36 years old at the time. Uh, as I, as I went back and checked on that, uh, and I don't know if this is, sounds like a very scientific explanation because you wouldn't, you wouldn't think this would be the case, but he said that that leg, when it healed, was actually shorter, shorter, yeah, than the other leg, and that's what caused him to end his career. Of course, I also remember when uh, uh, Kevin Murray, Kyler Murray's dad, was playing at Texas A&M in 1984. He suffered uh, a similar injury in a game against Arkansas State. He was out that whole year. After that was that, believe it was the 
third or fourth game of that season. He was out all that year. He came back the next year, and he played, and he was still a terrific quarterback. I always thought Kevin was the best quarterback I ever saw in the old Southwest Conference, um, a really good passer. He's big, a lot bigger than Kyler. Kevin's probably 6'2", uh, and, and a lot bulkier, uh, and, but was a tremendous dual-threat athlete up to that point. He was not after that. Uh, he, was, he was still a very good passer but not a dual threat. And as a matter of fact, uh, if you'll recall that story about Kevin, uh, they got in a little bit, they and him got in a little bit of uh, NCAA trouble, and Jackie advised him, maybe it'd be good if you went ahead and turned pro, which unfortunately for Kevin was after uh, the combine, and so Kevin went undrafted. Um, and uh, But I was told by some people with the Oilers that they were very interested in signing him as a free agent, and uh, and hoping that he could be Warren Moon's backup and that he would eventually succeed Warren. Now, Warren played for, for several more years for the Oilers, so I don't know how that ever would have worked out. But at any rate, they said that when they looked at his ankle, they said, you'll be lucky to be walking on this ankle by the time you're 29, uh, much less playing football. And that was that. That was the end of his career. So now those both of those cases were uh, uh, 40 years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, 30, 40 years ago. So uh, medicine's come a long way since then. Uh, uh, rehabilitation's come a long way since then. Things are different. Um, I do believe from what I've read and seen and, uh, and people like LaShawn McCoy, uh, uh, who's had a long career in the NFL as a running back, had the same injury in high school. Uh, it did obviously affect him and affected what he was, where he was going to go to college. Uh, he lost a lot of offers after that happened, but he came back, had a college career. He's gone on to a fine NFL career as well. I, I feel like, and this is what I want to ask you about, the one thing that I see in this is that um, playing quarterback is different from playing a running back. Uh, you, you know, footwork is everything uh, as a quarterback, and uh, certainly Dak's footwork has been a, a work in progress throughout his career in the NFL. Uh, that's what everyone has really worked with him on. We've seen that when Dak's footwork is not good, he does not throw the ball that well. Uh, when it is, he, he, he's fine. You know, he's not Patrick Mahomes who can throw off his back foot, throw, you know, off no feet, do whatever he wants to do, and, and whip a pass across the field. That's not Dak Prescott. Um, so it'll be interesting to me to see how he relearns all this because to go back to what, my own story after I broke my leg and had a cast on from uh, hip to toe for six weeks. And then I had a cast on from knee to toe for another six weeks. Uh, it took me a long time to, to walk without a limp. Uh, even after people would tell me you're still limping and I would say, Oh no, I'm not. <laughs> and, and, and I realized that I was still in me. It took me a long time to relearn just to walk correctly. And, and I think that uh, is, will be the issue for me, for Dak, is how fast does he get back to where he was from the standpoint of his footwork and doing the things he needs to do uh, subconsciously, you know, uh, consciously, all the things that he was doing that has been enabling him to progress to the point where he is now, the, the league's leading passer. Sure, and that's always the question. And the, and the time frame I've you know, been told repeatedly is, is four to six months. Uh, which means that he will be cleared medically at some level to take part in organized team activities in the off-season program. So, um, you know, the, the, but the question is, that's when, you're, that's when you're physically able to start doing things to come back. That doesn't mean 
Um, and look, there's no doubt in my mind Dak Prescott will return and play the game of football. But, you know, you've got to be honest here. I mean, two of his greatest strengths have been durability and mobility. And now both of those have changed with this injury. And you would assume the mobility won't be as big a part of his game going forward. And that that takes away from a lot of what makes him so effective. Now, how does he compensate for that? Uh, how, how much will he still be able to incorporate into his game? Um, and, you know, like you say, there, there's still a period where your body has to readjust to what the new normal is. And how long does that take? Uh, sometimes it takes longer for other athletes because uh, athletes are, are going to push it to the brink anyway. And, you know, they're going to continue to do the things they've always done before. And they will be some of the last to accept that they can't do those things anymore. So how does that factor into the rehab? I mean, you, you have to push it, but also be realistic. Um, you know, once you get into that stage, it's so much the mentality of it. And, and Dak is a very... Uh, a very intelligent guy. Um, he understands all that. I think he's very logical with his approach as well. But, um, you know, uh, especially when, when you were playing at a level that was such a high level, you have to guard against the frustration of not being able to go back and do those things or what you have trained yourself to do your entire career to say, okay, I see this now, this is where I'm going to take off here because I can get 12 yards. Are you going to do that anymore? Or do you take that out of your um, de decision-making tree? So um, it's not just physically, yeah, four to six months, you'll be able to do things and start getting back. But, but then you have to what level are you back and how does that impact your decision-making as a quarterback going forward? And in a lot of ways, there, there, there's a lot more unknown there than there are other positions, I think. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's right. And, and, you know, a couple of things, that, and that's, uh, I think, you know, what you bring up is, is the, uh, the mental side of it. You know, what Jerry Jones issued a statement, which I thought was really good, uh, and talking about Dak coming back. And, and I agree with all of it. I, and I agree with you. I do think that Dak will come back from this. He's a hard worker. He's very tough. Uh, very determined. Uh, this is nothing, you know, the work aspect is nothing new for him. So this will, this will be, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say it won't be easy, but I will say it'll be easy for him mentally to do this because more so than maybe a lot of other athletes would be. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. A couple of things. One, I wanted to say you, when you mentioned Michael Gallup, uh, when that play was developing and I watched it and, it, and, uh, and Dak was moving to his left, he cut in front of Gallup. Gallup looked a little confused about whether he should move forward and try to block. Yeah. Uh, he put his hands up to, so that he wouldn't run into Dak. Had Dak just cut behind Michael, uh, you know, maybe this all would have been avoided. But at, at any rate, you're right. This is the question to me. How often will he be willing to do that now? Uh, and that is one of the things, you know, in fans and the media, and I'll be the first to say, I've been one of the people who's always said, 
hey, he needs to run the ball more often <laughs> because because you can get hurt just as easily in the pocket as you can running. And, of course, what happens, he gets hurt running. So, uh, But you take a lot of blindside shots in the pocket as well. Uh, I've always felt like you you can always brace yourself better for something out of the pocket than you can inside of it. Uh, so this, how will this affect him? That's a, It's a great question. Uh, how will it affect him when he's on the field? Uh, I, I, I don't think that – it's not a question of him being afraid. It's a question of thinking, am I risking something here? Because I think that Dak being the a, the team player that he is feels like if I get out there and I get hurt, you know, that's, we're, we're not as good. You know, we, we, I, we hurt our chances of winning. So uh, I don't think he would ever be afraid uh, from a physical standpoint of being hurt. I think he would be afraid of, is this is this a smart thing to do? Should should I just stay here? Yeah, no. Physically, from that same again, and we've talked about this. He, he puts his body at risk in some of these end zone plunges that he does, uh, that, that are much more problematic than that play where he got hurt. Where you're going, really? Do you want to expose yourself to that hit right there? Uh, but he's bigger than most quarterbacks. He's physical, but. And again, you know, he's been durable. He hasn't, you know, you have to go back forever to see a game he missed. Never, never in the NFL. I mean, just a few snaps here and there. I don't think it's his sophomore year in college. I think that was year. Yeah, yeah, that was it. And uh, remarkably durable. But, but now at this level, at this age, that puts something else in your head that, okay, I can't continue to do this to the level I've done it. I, I, I will still do it, but I have to be more selective with it. And like I said, to me, this, where this is interesting is because it, it impacts your decisions because Dak has never really looked to run first. And, and you know, he's talked about this before. He, want, he wants to be known as a quarterback, not a, a running quarterback, a quarterback who can run. There's a difference. And, and I think that's how he view, is viewed as a quarterback who can run. But, um, but now when you get in that situation and you're making decisions so quickly and so now you're down to your third or fourth option and you go, okay, running now is the best. But now how do you treat that when it comes up in that sequence that quickly? Do you go, and eh, but should I, you know, I don't know. Do I want to run here? Now do I go to my fourth option? So I, I think it creates a, a level of indecisiveness initially from how he always played before that he's going to have to work through. And I'm not saying he can't and he won't work through it. He will. But to me, it's not about fear of running or you're never going to run again. It's just now you weigh the risk reward differently. You say, well, I did have a significant injury. Um, is, is the risk reward ratio really make sense at this point to do that? And, uh, my belief is that will probably change a little bit in his mind. And, uh, but, but then you have, okay, so what? You're going to stay in the pocket longer and take more sacks, uh, you know, take more hits that way. So he, he's going to be hit. He's going to be tested either way. Um, but working through mentally just how much running is going to be part of your game going forward when you always knew it was an outstanding weapon for you before, uh, will he give up on that, or will it still be a, a significant, although diminished, portion of what he does as a quarterback? Will be interesting to see. Yeah, at the very least, he just needs to learn to slide a little more. Yeah. 
I think would help. Uh, so uh, uh, let's let's look at uh, the situation that, that, as it stands now. Uh, so Andy Dalton is now the starting quarterback. Uh, Andy came in. And I thought it did really well. Um, you know, we give uh, Michael Gallup a lot of credit for the two catches he made, and, and well, he should get a lot of credit for those. But let's let's give credit to Andy for those two throws. Uh, both uh, the throw to the sideline, well, the first throw to the sideline, Andy made on the run. Uh, and then on the second one, he was in the pocket, just kind of reared back and let it fly. For people who don't understand how the NFL works or how football teams work, you know, Andy's getting very few reps in practice. The you know the the starting quarterback's getting most ten percent or less. Yeah, yeah. For him to come in and make those kind of throws cold is I thought really remarkable and I thought he did a really fine job in coming in at that point yeah especially especially the first of those to Gallup I mean the second was a good throw too. Gallup just a spectacular play yeah uh, which he does so well to go up and catch that ball at the apex I mean he is we've seen that all season you'll go all game and you go well I haven't even thrown to Michael Gallup and then where they have to have a play who does Dak throw to Michael Gallup who did right. Andy Dalton throw to Michael Gallup and, and he comes up with the play. But that first one, like you said, because Dalton's not known as a mobile quarterback. Now that doesn't mean, again, I think that's changed. That doesn't mean you don't move around in the pocket. You don't move to get yourself in position to throw. Uh, Dalton showed there he can move to get himself in position to throw. And that pass, that was really, it was an outstanding play by Gallup to keep his feet and not go out of bounds, but that was really the only place that ball could have been thrown that had any chance of it being caught, too. So um, I, I thought that was an outstanding throw, and he was very, like I said, he came in, you know, very first play, he sacked. Um, then you're going, okay, here we go. And then, But now it's third and six, so what does he do? He finds Lamb for 11, and uh, he did have the strip fumble a couple of times late after that, but finished nine of 11, um, you know, ran the team really well in there and that's why I say with with these weapons with Ezekiel Elliott with the three elite wide receivers they have um, I understand the offensive lines beat up and I, I think there will be games where you will you're going to have to endure maybe you know some four and five sack games with Dalton potentially that you didn't have with Dak but with those weapons this should still be a, a very effective offense. And I don't know that it will be as explosive as it was with Dak Prescott. But I would also argue if this offense is more efficient than it was running with Dak Prescott. Because remember, Dak Prescott resided over an offense that turned the ball over 10 times in 13 quarters uh, just before he went out. Um, you know, they turned it over three times a game. In, in Dak's last three games as a, a as a starter, uh, not counting this last game where he went out, not all of those turnovers were on him, but a big portion were, and so that's been the biggest issue other than defense that this team has wrestled with so far this year is turning the ball over. And if you just reduce those turnovers from three a game to an average of one and a half a game you're still going to let your skill players, they'll still be in a position to win games for you. And I think that's what you'll see. I think you'll see, you know, the way this defense is constructed, I think this team's still going to be in shootouts and a lot of close games. 
but I don't know that they'll be 40 to 39. I think they're going to start being 28 to 27, you know, 29 to 26. I, I think that is how this team is best suited to win. Uh, control, you know, the, the time of possession a little bit more, run a little bit more, but get to play action going and still take your deep shots down the field with these outstanding receivers. Um, I think that's going to be a little bit more of the template that you see going forward. And that's also a template that can keep the defense off the field. And maybe they're not uh, as exposed as much as they have been for the majority of these first five games. Yeah, I think that's for, you know, when we were, I was kind of thinking about all this uh, and uh, where the Cowboys go over here from here. And, and obviously, first of all, they're playing in the NFC East uh, where the, the entire rest of the division has uh, what? Two wins. Two wins. Uh, I think. And Dallas has two, two wins. They have time. as much as the entire rest of the division through five weeks. Yeah. Pretty pitiful. Uh, so I, I don't think that the, 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 uh, the East is a problem here. Obviously the problem is how far you go after that. And you know how it is in the NFL. I, I feel like any, on any given week, you know, you might be able to put together the kind of uh, game plan that could, could get you a win. Uh, do I think this team is still a Super Bowl uh, contender? No, I don't. Uh, and, and, but really, I was having my doubts about that even before Dak was hurt just because of the defense and the problems. Now, having said that, as bad as the, as the defensive line continues to look, um, uh, Jalen Smith played his best game by far uh, uh, Sunday. I thought it was his best game since two years ago, probably. And and I was reading our film studies major, John Owning, talking about what the, Mike Nolan had done on defense to enable that. He talked about the fact that he turned him into a downfield player instead of a sideline to sideline player. And, and you know, that, that's an interesting point because you would think a guy with uh, Jalen Smith's uh, speed and athleticism would be a guy uh, ideal as a sideline to sideline linebacker. That's what we always read about, right? And always, always watched and talked about when you talked about a linebacker speed, that's what you were talking about. Well, apparently he's just not as good in that uh, fashion. I think he gets, uh, he, in the past, he's, he, he flows in the wrong direction. You know, he's, he's out of position. Uh, he's, he's coming back across the field. Uh, I don't know how they were able to enable the fact that he could be more of a downfield uh, line or downhill linebacker, but he did sniff out several of the, of the giant screens, uh, got over, got in place uh, to stop those and, um, and made solid tackles, uh, made one-on-one -on -one tackles, which we hadn't seen him do. Um, and if he can continue to play like that, and then if Leighton Vander Esch, I'm just, that was going to be my question for you. If Leighton Vander Esch is going to play, Monday against the Cardinals, I think that would rectify a lot of the problems that the defense has been having. Yeah, and I will say, I think that the defensive line had its best game, and they really, uh, Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith, uh, the, the grades I saw from Pro Football Focus, uh, both of them ranked among the top five defensive ends in the league uh, really? this past week and how they graded out. So I, I thought it was their most active game start to finish as a defensive line. Uh, Don Terry Poe also graded out very high in this game, uh, uh, really the first time this year. So, um, yeah, they, they got a little bit more of a pulse there. there there's no question Jalen was more active. And, and you're right, you go back to uh, when he was his best under Rod Marinelli, it was, it was when he was at outside linebacker and it was seek and destroy. Uh, north south go you know we're going to rush the passer with you we're going to do that so 
that is what that is when he is at his best. And I think uh, the, the compliment of him and Leighton Vander Esch and, and and Steve and you know Sean Lee, what he did before when they were all at their best. Uh, they were able to go side to side to free him up to go to be the north south guy. You know, we'll we'll line up, get everyone in your spot. You know, here, seek, destroy, go. And mm-hmm. that's an oversimplification, but um, you know, that's when they're at their best. So yeah, if 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 Leighton Vandervesh is able to come back, and I think he's very good sideline to sideline. Um, you know, I don't think he's as physical uh, north south as Jalen Smith is, and that makes that's what makes them such a good complement. Uh, uh, so you get them in the spots to do that as much as possible. And they did that le- last game. And, and I think once Leighton Vanderish gets back, and um, it, it, it will be interesting to see. Th- this defense should improve. And if special teams stops making the inexcusable mistakes they're making and the offense stops turning the ball over or as they did in this last game, you know, a, a pick six where they don't even put the defense back on the field. It's just seven points that, you know, um, that's the thing. The offense was putting the defense in such horrible positions. Uh, and, you know, the offense is the strength of the team anyway. When the strength of the team is putting the weakest part of your team in those positions time and time again, you're just setting you're setting yourself up for failure. And, and that pattern has been repeated by and large for these first four games, uh, five games. And, and it was in this game, but Dallas fell behind 17 to three uh, at home to a team that hadn't scored more than 17 points all season. And um, it, it, it's just perplexing that they continue to do this, but it was because of the turnovers. And so if Andy Dalton takes care of the ball more than what Dak Prescott was doing, if the rest of the team acknowledges, well, we don't have Dak anymore, so we all have to be a little bit more careful. We all have to, you know, make plays when we have them. We can't be, you know, um, if we fall down 21-0, we don't know if we can come back with Dalton the way we could with Dak, so we can't afford to put ourselves in that position. You know, maybe that's a mentality that, that seeps through the team. But, but very quickly, I found this interesting, too. You know, I, I think a recognition that they needed to play differently came in that game before Dak was even out. And, and that came when they were down 17 3. Uh, you know, the, the defense was off to another horrible start. The offense had given up a pick six. You find yourself down to a team that's not any good by 14 points at home. And what did they do? In every other game this season, they went out and they went okay, let's play to our strengths. We're a big play team with these receivers. Let's throw it around. Let's attack them. Let's get 12 yards here, 17 yards here, maybe 30 here. Let's go down. We'll score in three minutes, and we'll make it a seven-point game. They didn't do that this time. Even with Dak in at quarterback, they had a 14-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, and they ran the ball 10 times. And they ran Elliott nine of those 10 times. And, you know, as, as soon as the play was over, as, as that series was over, you know, I think I tweeted out that was a Jason Garrett possession more than it was a Mike McCarthy possession. And I, I find it interesting that, that fans were so frustrated with how this offense ran here for so long and wanted some creativity and wanted to open it up. Now I think you could argue 
the Jason Garrett game plan is exactly what this team needs to do for the remainder of the season, by and large, with a little more creativity to it. And, and Mike McCarthy is more creative. Uh, I mean, you saw the touchdown pass to Dak Prescott. You see them throwing the ball downfield more. Um, they're not going to forget they have arguably the best three, you know, three wide receivers in the league. And, and, and as far as a compliment to themselves, they're going to take shots downfield. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't manage the game differently. And I think you're going to see them manage the game differently with Andy Dalton. I don't think they're going to come out in this hurry-up two-minute offense all the time like they did with Dak. I think you're going to, be, you're going to see them more in the four-minute offense uh, than they are that two-minute offense. Uh, they will still pick their spots. Tempo's important. I think they're going to want to catch teams off balance. And Dalton is capable of doing that. But I don't know that you – and I don't know that it's in the team's best interest right now either with a, with an offensive line that's beat up either to to come out and say, okay, uh, let's run a crisp two-minute offense the entire game. I, I think they need to get their feet under them, um, you know, kind of, you know, maintain balance and, and go from there. And I think you saw that in that drive early in the second quarter of that game, and it helped change the complexion of the game going forward. Yeah, I thought the same thing. And when I watched that, you know, I was very smart. You know, I, I've always believed that, listen, uh, if, if you run the ball and you get five or six or seven yards, then run it again. You know, uh, my, my belief is always you run the ball until somebody stops you. And then and then we, you throw the ball. Uh, and, and plus, uh, uh, my, my problem with Jason's offense always was it seemed like, though, that he carried things too far. He just he got, kind of kept pushing and pushing and pushing instead of, you know, run the two minute drill in in the middle of the third quarter, you know, uh, just, just for a tempo change here, just something to get people off balance a little bit. That's, sure. that's the idea is that then that's what you're talking about is that they got the giants off balance. The fact that they were running it so much. And after that play was over and after the touchdown, you saw, or at least on TV, uh, I saw uh, Mike McCarthy go up to Kellen Moore and, and reach out to him and say, Hey, good job. You know, mm-hmm. that, that was good. So, obviously, Mike understands that. You know, and understands that, you know, the, the idea is to, it, it's just like a, a pitcher. You know, you don't always throw your fastball. You throw your fastball, you throw your changeup, you throw your slider, you, you, you throw your curve. You're, you're trying to, 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 uh, to destroy the timing of the hitter. And that's exactly what an offense should be trying to do to a defense is just do enough. You don't constantly have to be doing different things, but you have to be doing enough that – they, they're not always sure exactly what's going to happen here. So let me ask you this. Uh, so uh, the Cowboys, as I understand it, they may have already done this. Have they signed Garrett Gilbert? Uh, he will. He has to go through protocol and get to the point where he's in the protocol right now. But, yeah, they, they, they signed him off the practice squad, which means they have to put him on the active roster for a week. But you, you have the space to do that. And then they'll, you know, they'll put him on the practice squad and protect him. He'll be like Ben DiNucci has, has been, you know. But, you know, that's the other thing. They changed the COVID rules this week. And basically now it's going to take six – it's like six days once you get somebody before they come in. So there yeah. is – there will only be two quarterbacks for the game on Monday night. It will be Andy Dalton and Ben DiNucci. And uh, so, so really Gilbert won't be able to be part of this – uh, is a third quarterback until uh, the week after that, which will be the Washington game. I was a little surprised by that signing simply because, you know, uh, Garrett has no f- uh, affiliation with uh, Mike McCarthy or Kellen Moore. He's been around a lot of places in his career. 
Uh, and, you know, we, we saw what happened when, uh, and of course, it didn't cost nearly as much. You didn't have to trade for him. You had to do anything. But the Matt Castle signing in the middle of that season and what a disaster all those uh, assemblage of quarterbacks was. Uh, in this case, I thought they would just go out and, and sign Cooper Rush, bring him in. He, he's familiar with Kellen Moore, familiar with the with, uh, with concepts of the offense, just an easier transition to make. You know, fans love to talk about the backup quarterbacks. You know, usually they don't matter that much. Uh, they obviously did this year for the Cowboys. Um, but uh, I, I still was a little surprised. Were you? Well, I mean, when you've had a guy be here as a backup and then he leaves and he went to the Giants and then the Giants cut him, you know, uh, with Garrett. I mean, and he had a, you know, he had a free agent tryout with Houston, I think, earlier in the week. Normally, you do, if a backup player has been in somewhere for two or three years, has moved on, you normally don't bring them back under a new, but but you're right. I mean that there aren't a lot of options, and you just you want a third body, and, and that's really what they're doing here. And and look, they they paid to have Andy Dalton. If if you lose Andy Dalton, you're not going to win any game. You know, there's no one out there who's going to help you win games no. that that can get you up to speed and do anything. And and uh, at this stage of the season, so you're really, you know, I think they're just going well. Let's have a guy we haven't had in here and see, you know, we we like this about him, we like that about him. Let's get in here, work with him day to day, and see if it's someone we can develop. But, um, you know, I'm, they discussed Cooper Rush, I'm sure, but they just went, well, you know, we've seen that and we've made our determination. Let's let's get someone else in and see if if they would be a fit. And if they're not, we'll we'll pick up another quarterback two or three weeks from now. I, I think. I think Mike McCarthy is is willing to do that. Mike McCarthy is always going to have a younger guy in place to develop. That that's just how he believes it should be done. All right, now let me ask you this. Uh, we're going to recalibrate our uh, projections for this Cowboys team. I know that there are people out there, I'm sure, who feel like, well, they ought to just tank now. You know, you've lost both your your starting tackles. You you've lost uh, your starting quarterback. You've, uh, you know, I guess we consider the fact that they lost their center even before the season started when Travis Frederick retired. Uh, those, those are a lot of, you know, you just lost Tristan Hill now for the rest of the season. These are a lot of significant losses to take. Uh, and so what's the point then of trying to uh, trying to win? Shouldn't you just tank and go into this draft? Uh, I would say for, for the in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, you're already out of that. The the, the yeah. Jets are zero and five, and they and they don't get to play. Uh, Giants are zero and five. Atlanta's zero and five. Yeah, they don't get to play the the Giants, the Redskins, and and uh, and the Eagles twice, like the Cowboys do. So uh, so the Cowboys have some automatic wins in there, <laughs> uh, and, and that's and that's kind of my point at this at this point. I don't if, even if the Cowboys tried to tank that it'd be hard for him to lose very many games in this division. So uh, I'm saying now that I'm, I'm going to, I originally said 11 and five, I'm going to say eight and eight for this season. What, what are you saying at this point, David? Oh, that's a pretty good readjustment. I, you know, people say this and it hardly ever happens, but I hear more people saying, Oh, they think seven games will win this division. I think it could <laughs> I really, do, but, <laughs> but, but, that being said, I, I think usually, even when every year people will say that at some point, but it, it works out where it's going to be eight or nine games is going to win the division. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I hate to come off 11 and five all the way down to eight and eight. 
But when we see how these games have played out, when we see that they still have Pittsburgh and Baltimore uh, left on the schedule. Now, other than that, Dallas's schedule isn't that hard uh, no. when you look at it. It's one of the easier ones in the league the rest of the way. And if they just don't turn the ball over, and if you get incremental improvement on your defense, which I think it sounds silly to say you saw improvement in the defense this past week when they gave up 34 points to a team that was averaging 11 coming into the game. <laughs> right. And two touchdowns were taken off the board because of <laughs> yeah. Giants penalties. Uh, but it was. I, I think you saw some improvement in that game. And, and they're going to get – they're going to get – you know, it, look, Trayvon Diggs, I think, is very good, but he's playing out there hurt. He had a, he had a, his shoulder and his knee. He had a brace on his knee in pregame that I was going, whoa, that's pretty, you know, I didn't know his knee was that bad. Normally, you see a sleeve, not a brace there. Um, and, and you're going to get Chittabaya Woozie back soon. I mean, you're going to, uh, if you get Leighton Vander Esch back, I, they're starting to get some players back defensively that I think – Will it be a very good defense? No, but um, maybe just not set the other team up twice in the first half on their own side of the field and make them make a stand early, and maybe you'll, you know, maybe they won't seem as bad, and then and take the ball the other way and take eight minutes off the clock to score versus two and a half minutes to score, you know. Um, so they should get better defensively. And, and the, again, the way I look at it is, Dallas, even without Dak Prescott, even without their two starting offensive tackles, without their original starting tight end and Blake Jarwin, I still think easily they're the best offense in the division. Oh, yeah. There, there's no not a better offensive team in the division. Now, Philadelphia – and look, let's say it's, it's between them and Philadelphia – uh, Washington and the New York Giants are irrelevant in the discussion of whether or not who's going to win the NFC East. It's going to come down, you know, either Dallas or Philly has won it six of the last seven years. Um, and it's going to it's going to be one of them this year. So you look at it, in my mind, Dallas is still clearly better offensively than Philadelphia. Philadelphia is clearly better defensively than Dallas. Uh, and so now it comes down to special teams and, and coaching and how the games unfold and turnovers. And so I, I think they're pretty, they're pretty even there at this point. So, yeah, you can't concede the division by, by any means. And, and Dalton is capable of winning this division, and, and you shouldn't think otherwise. But, you know, I guess, I guess in best-case scenario, I could see Dallas getting to nine wins. but. But I'm like, yeah, I really look more at eight, and, and I feel a little better about seven and nine at the moment than I do saying eight. <laughs> well, whatever ends up happening now is there's always something to write about with the Cowboys, it seems like. It's never just – the season never just lopes along. There's always some kind of disaster associated with uh, Jerry Jones. Uh, so, at any rate, uh, I think that's going to do it for our uh, Cowboys Ballsy podcast this week. Uh, uh, we we appreciate you uh, tuning in and listening. And uh, it seemed we'll to go much smoother this week. I can't put my finger on it. You can't. No, it's because you can't see Evan to put your thumb over him. That's what the deal is. <laughs> We're not. We're not sure if we'll be back next week or not. We'll uh, we'll let you know if there's a podcast, then you'll know that we were we're, we're back. So we're back. we'll see how that goes. 
If not, it's open to your interpretation what happened. <laughs> exactly. It could be anything. <laughs> All right, everybody. For everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks, and we'll see you.